Hello everyone, welcome to the Monday episode of Strange Lunch. I decided to postpone the release of the second half of my conversation with Key for um, a very important audio video essay. So this one I want to talk about, on this episode, I want to talk about code switching. I believe that code switching is a very important topic, especially um, seeing how now I'm bringing my voice to the public sphere, you know, by uploading videos and really starting to talk about many different things. And like, this is the reason why a lot of people do not do podcasts. You would think that it's because, oh, like I don't have resources or anything. This is a scary place to be because you're making yourself public and you need to know your stuff. You need to have answers for when people have questions. You need to learn how to um, pivot a conversation or or open up conversations that then breed more understanding because the ability to be understood, that's not easy, you know, to, to communicate in that way. So on my first episode, when I had IG Live um, Instagram live for those who don't know, pour in uh, viewers of my page, you know, something happened there. Like I got a little nervous and I cursed and I was like, listen, I curse. This is what I do. Um, you know, when those people start to jump into your feed, you realize the people that you have observing your page are from different backgrounds, from different points of view. So, you know, if you're a per like this is for young people who listen to my page. By the time you mature, what you would hope to have done is have had interactions and conversations with people from different social classes, with people from different cultural backgrounds, you know, and somewhat become a, a universal citizen. And I want to give a shout out and shout out is a part of my culture where we like to acknowledge people in our culture, you know, that are relevant. Um, shout out to Bagheer TV at Bagheer TV on Instagram live. He's doing an amazing music docu series on his page. Give highlighting musicians from different cultural backgrounds and he calls it universal citizen. So I think that's really dope and um, very connected to what we're talking about. <sighs> so, you know, a person from my background, you know, like we know something about code switching and I'm going to get to that towards the end. But what's beautiful about the internet is that uh, something can be brought to my attention and I can then collect resources within an hour, which then we can start having a conversation about, you know. So I, I looked up the meaning of code switching on, on uh, not Instagram. So obsessed. So obsessed with Instagram. Oh, my God. This is why I'm doing podcasts. I'm out of this place. I got to get out of here. Um, Wikipedia. Code switching. So I want to start off with that definition and we're going to unpack it, I guess. In linguistics, code switching or language alteration occurs when a speaker alternates between two or more languages or language priorities in a context 
in the context of a single conversation. Multilingual speakers are more than one language. Sometimes use elements of multiple language to converse with one another. Thus, code switching is the use of more than one language variety in a manner consistent with the syntax and phonology of each variety. So, um, that was kind of a word salad. Um, a lot of abstract words, and I think that it fails. I'm sure if you like read the whole Wikipedia, you're going to get the different nuances. But I, right off the back, I feel like it's only limiting or the implied message you would think it's multilingual like language as in like speech because you're talking about speakers and everything but i think code switching is a little deeper than that it has a lot to do with clothing it has a lot to do with social behaviors the music you listen to and i'm going to use that to move over to the next resource that i collected was um a youtube video that I listened to prior to making this video called The Cost of Code Switching by Chandra Author. So she starts off her video talking about a situation in which she's held at gunpoint for being in a house that looks like it maybe couldn't be her house, but her ability to code switch was able to just like, not justify, but show that it was her place and what a way to start a speech first of all what a great persuasive way of getting somebody's attention because the whole gunpoint thing you're you know your life is in danger and then you're saved by your ability to switch cultural languages you know and this brings up the issues and the conversation of code switching you know she was saved by her ability to convince the person holding the gun, a.k.a. 12 <laughs> police. I'm just kidding. It's like Jesus Christ. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking about like the people who would watch this, you know, because, again, code switching. Um, I'm college educated, you know, I've interacted with many people from many different backgrounds already. So and I like throwing in my cultural speech because people should get used to it and I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring that subject at the end I keep fast forwarding because it's just something I want to say already but uh, let's take our time this is a conversation we're gonna take long term because since since it's an issue for me it's gonna and it's an issue for a lot of the people that I know that observe my page because we all are very very similar in background not the same i have people who follow me in brazil there's people who observe my page in california but like are egyptian and there's just like everybody from different backgrounds so uh da, 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 people in missouri so the next story that she goes on to explain she, she prefaces it by saying that code switching can also hurt diversity you know, she left her culture behind when she moved from one high school to another. She was from a certain high school. Chandra Author, by the way, is a black woman. She left her, her first high school, who was predominantly black, to a more white high school, I'd probably say. Um, and, it's, and it was affluent white. So it was a certain type of 
I guess, perspective. And so, and it was very, she used a very good contrast, stark contrast. In her high school, her previous high school, it was cool to wear patent leather Jodeci boots, cross-colored pants and very bright colors. By the time she moved to the second high school, she had to take muted colors. Um, like not she, well, not she, well, yeah, she had to, but the the dress code in a sense and of the culture that went to that high school, it was more pastel muted colors, you know, wearing like floral lapels or something like that. Um, and this is where she says, you know, where code switching can hurt diversity because code switching, the expectation of people for you to code switch is not inclusive. It's they like the, that expectation is an expectation that dominates, I guess, and expects you to conform to their environment, which again, it's not something not understandable, you know, when in Rome do as Romans do, right? Um, when you're at a Dominican birthday party, please know how to dance bachata. <laughs> like if you have a Dominican girlfriend, you know, put you guys, put you guys onto some game. Uh, because that's what they're going to talk about, you know, whether you know how to do the cultural dance or not, or if you're even willing to do it. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get into that another day. <laughs> the willingness to, to jump into the dancing pool. So, yeah, so she she talks about changing the way she dressed to the music that she listened to. She went from listening to more hip hop to listening to things like Green Day, you know, and we bring up these conversations because it's like, okay, I'm now hosting a platform. This is the knowledge that I know. You know, this is th this is the stuff that like is not unfamiliar to me. Like when somebody brings me brings up, hey Brian, why do you talk a certain way? You know, I have the intellectual capacity to explain something like this. You know, or to host a conversation that then can breed more understanding. Um, of the issues of the, you know. So she then furthers, she's in tech. She works in tech. She is what she calls underrepresented person in, in an industry. She then moves to a story talking about how, you know, authenticity has its consequences. You being authentic to your cultural background in the wrong cultural setting can ruin a deal, you know, in an office when you're trying to make a presentation. She uses the word y'all versus you all as an example where, you know, somebody will not give you a promotion. Somebody will not let a deal go through because you didn't make them feel comfortable with y'all, you all. Um, and then the issue with this is because sometimes when people from other cultures appropriate, this is this is where the conversation of appropriation comes in. Like a, a Kim Kardashian, you know, right now the hot topic is that she wears, you know, the little baby hairs. She gets celebrated for it. I would probably say now more than ever she gets vilified, but for people who do not understand the issue, they celebrate her, you know? 
They celebrate her. They celebrate the look. Oh, it's the hot new look, you know? And they're able to benefit more from that cultural difference, you know? Which it brings up a conversation where it's like, she's technically code switching, you know? She's technically moving into someone else's culture as other people are expected into moving into other people's culture, you know? Maintaining your culture is um, when it comes to like assimilation, you know, keeping parts of yourself that that are connected to your background, your history, you know, you don't want to lose that. People don't want to lose that. And that's this brings a whole other conversation I want to have with other people. So I'm not going to get too too deep into it. Hopefully, whoever watches this and and participates on my page, hit me up. Send me an essay. I'll read the essay. You know how you feel about this con this this topic. What can I make? A, what can I make better and and bring up on a on a follow up episode? So, yeah, authenticity has its cost, and I guess that's why I just wanted to bring this negotiation book. You know, when you're negotiating with people and you want something to get done. You know, you want to be able to find rapport and trust. So Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. But a bunch of negotiation books have similar information. This one is just the most updated version. Um, I think it's the most recent one. So he compiles the best principles for many different negotiation theories. You know, and one of them, one of, one of the most important aspects of negotiation is your ability to build trust and rapport in the person that you're negotiating with you know people need to feel that you we're on the same page that we're vibing and we are connecting in a in a certain way it's very you know so i wouldn't say that code switching or the expectation the expectation of code switching is a um an issue when it's an expectation, you know, it's all about leverage a lot of the time. Whoever has the leverage is allowed to have the expectation in a sense, you know. But in an ideal world, which we do not live in an ideal world, um, in an ideal world, we would have an understanding of the multifaceted aspects of a person of the person across the room from you, you know, this person comes from a different background, but you know, for that to happen, the person from a different background has to show that before we do a deal, we can have trust and rapport. And what trust and rapport mean is, can I do business with you? And can we talk months at a time? Are we still connected? You know, like, Business is, is is another way of um, getting married, in a sense, you know. So that like, if if I'm gonna sell you something, and if you're gonna buy something from me, or vice versa, or we're gonna trade, part of it is also building a connection between the two parties involved. You know, so th this like I don't want to take a side when it comes to this code switching thing. I just want to raise awareness of the issues of it and how it plays out in our lives and how important it is to understand. I think that 
code switching is the ability to code switch is is good i think that that's the what bridges people across cultures across the globe so just being able to know something about someone else and taking interest in a thing other than yourself which is another very important topic on never split the difference where you know when you're doing a deal with someone or when you're in negotiation hostage negotiations you know you cannot make it this about yourself you know you have to show the ability to be empathetic and see the other side you know and again all based on leverage based on what people want you know and that's where that's that's where good business is done you know a bad deal um no deal is better than a bad deal so you know the ability to code switch and be what he says tactically empathetic is good so i think that that covers that part where code switching is a mode of survival so i want to read something from cuz i've you know again i have paid for you know i've i've taken diction classes in college and i've also paid outside of college voice like um like um act an acting class you know so there's some resources in this that i feel are very relevant and i think everyone can benefit from so i'm going to read a um an excerpt from the right to speak working on voice so um snap judgments as soon as we open our mouths and speak we are judged instant assumptions are made about us by others about our intelligence our background class race our education abilities and ultimately our power as listeners we do this to each other all the time what does our voice reveal about us quite a bit do we sound enfranchised or disenfranchised educated or uneducated hesitant or confident do we sound as if we should be in charge or subordinate do we sound as in though we should be heard and answered to the ears of others we are what we speak for any new listener immediately tries to place us instantly deciding whether or not we're worth listening to making snap judgments about whether or not even to answer us whether or not to even answer us if you listen to the podcast between me and Century Sinville Century Sinville and I um this is the kind of thing that we're talking about people are making snap ju judgments whether you're worth a response you know but don't focus only on that but this is let me finish i i realize this blunt assertion is made most obviously about british society where we still saddled by the very fairly rigid and sharply attuned class system in which the voice immediately places us upper middle or lower probably worst of all blatantly suburban but in other countries to which i have worked including the united states canada india japan and throughout europe i have experienced the same brutally judgmental attitude basically solely on the reaction to someone's voice and speech habits just like a fingerprint <laughs> give that to the universe duh that was dumb huh? <laughs> um Just like a fingerprint, a voice print is almost infallible form of identification. Our voice vo voice markers our voice marks us in certain ways, and it could mark us for life. 
whether I work in American South, for instance, I want I will, I get telephone calls from businessmen and women who want to sound more northern and not so rural. They believe that they will earn more respect with a quick change of vocal identity. One of my students in Texas with a particularly heavy and noticeable regional accent was repeatedly mocked and mimicked by his classmates whenever he spoke. He believed he was stupid and took the role of the class clown. While I challenged him about this, he said, but I come from Birmingham and Alabama, and anyone who talks the way I do has got to be stupid. A voice teacher in India I once worked with confided how she had to stop her Southern Tamal dialect from seeping into her daily speech when speaking the more acceptable Hindi dialect. I won't be respected, she said. If I hear that sound, I won't be respected if they hear that sound. A famous Japanese film actor lamented to me once that his father, father's voice betrayed him a lowly status. I shall never forget the uproar at a Canadian voice conference I attended in French-speaking Montreal when a Parisian voice coach blatantly asserted that no Canadian actor could speak the plays of Rakan and Motère because they sounded too coarse. So we instantly, we are instantly known to others by our voice and dialect and we are actually censored from having the right to speak certain things. You may not believe it is true, but there is such a thing as vo vocal imperialism. It seems to me particularly demeaning and criminal, for instance, to tell anyone that their mother's sound or accent is not good enough to speak the great text. I think that it's commonly agreed nowadays that Shakespeare's actors spoke in a variety of regional accents, many of them rough and broad, rough and, broad and not the least bit elegant. So why is it that so many American actors, for example, in this day and age still mimic the so-called British voice and accent when they speak Shakespearean verse and prose? The only result, it only results in alienating both actor and audience further from the marvels of Shakespeare's text. Solid American accents, good British regional ones, are every bit as expressive as the refined ones who try to impose on any classical text. And the former to work extremely well with the text that is given right in the return to its accentual roots. So I think that's a good place to stop. So as we can see in this book, The Right to Speak, it's not, and I think this is very, was very important for me to share because it shows that it's not solely an issue in America in the way that America has it. This happens whenever we're dealing with people, period. We make assumptions on each other based on the way we speak. We make assumptions on the way we dress and we are constantly sizing each other up to see whether um, we are higher class than them or what class they're part of, you know? Um, and bridging that gap is the overall goal in all your interactions, you know? And I would probably say don't take the narrative too harshly. But, so, I think that's most of what I wanted to speak about when it comes to code switching. I don't have the book Borderlands with me, but I'm gonna put it up on the video just to show as an example. So in this, I, I wish I could quote it. Let me see if I could find it. Just real quick, borderland quotes on quote switching. Borderland. So, 
and the book Borderland is a is a queer feminist woman of color, Gloria E. Asdola. I don't know how to say her name. I'm so sorry. Um so she's she's from she's from Mexico. She's queer. She's a woman and she speaks about you know being on the border not being here not being there you know there's this thing in california called um chicano culture you know chicano is like i'm not in touch with my roots deep enough to be fully accepted by one group and i'm not fully assimilate assimilated with the culture that i'm in so i'm not really about uh, part of that group either you know and um it's a really difficult place to exist in but more and more of us find ourselves in this place and i think by my code switching by me expressing myself fully on this podcast whether i curse whether i use slang whether i use spanish you know all the things that i do in my on my platform because it's my platform this is what the beautiful part about having your own platform is where you can now bring the border as the new place for everyone to kind of live in you know like like a person from the border in the sense like myself i'm not dominican i'm not guatemalan i'm not american i mean i am american when when I, when I say American, I mean I'm American in the sense that I am the immigrant story in America. Like I, that's that's me. Where it's like the ideal American identity is not white. It's not anybody. It's everybody. You know, in the sense I live in that. I live in the world of that ideal of just um, mixed ideas. I'm a human being who listens to every. Um, part of music but the problem is like living truly in that border it feels as if though I don't know anything deep enough to be part of any one culture so I have to create my own and hence why I'm so hell-bent on having my own platform um let me see if I can just quote her. I'm just going to quote anything because this book is seriously amazing. I'm going to talk about it some more another time. Why am, I, why am I compelled to write? Because the world I create in the writing compensates for what the real world does not give me. By writing, I put the order in the world. I put order in the world. It gives a handle so I can grasp it. I write because life does not appease my appetites and anger. Be, to, more, to become more intimate with myself and you. To discover myself, to preserve myself, to make myself, to achieve self-autonomy. To dispel the myths that I am a mad prophet or a poor suffering soul. To convince myself that I am worthy and that I have to say what I have to say is not a pile of shit. Finally, I write because I'm scared of writing. Because I'm more scared, but because I'm more scared of not writing. So, I guess that resonates with... What I was saying about why I create my platform. And I, I, I feel that. You know, that, that that's why her writing is so important. And when I read Borderlines, it just... You know, and I take this code switching um, very seriously. So when it got brought up to me, 
I got inflamed, but what's beautiful is that I have a place to go run to and and expand the conversation and make it important. So in Borderlands, she writes in three languages, you know, like four if you count poetry. So she writes like an essay. She writes poetry in her book. She writes in Spanish. She writes in the indigenous dialect of Mexico. She writes in English. And to fully understand her, you need to meet her at her, on her terms. And I believe that whenever we create platforms such as Strange Lunch that we have before you, um, we create a world where that code switching, like you have to know a lot about the world and it makes you a better person. You have to do this, you know? Normally you code switch because you want to have access. Um, when you build your own, you don't have to do that. But what's awesome is if you come from many different places and you have a, a, a mixed history, we can start creating a world where it is diverse in that way. So I guess that's my point on on this podcast. It's, I'm sp I've already spoken for like 30 minutes, some of it rambling. So I just wanted to get this out and get it through. So peace. All the love, Universal Citizens.